Hey, this is Kevin Mills, host of the Screw the Side Hustle. And if you want to build a world-class communication skills, you should be listening to the Art of Communication podcast with my good friend, Greg Rice. Welcome to the Art of Communication, where entrepreneurs learn to grow their business more effectively through mastering their ability to connect to others. Whether you're looking to increase revenue, widen your network, or just getting others to buy into your vision, we'll help you dramatically transform your business and life by communicating more effectively, improving your leadership skills, and reinvesting time back into your family. You're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and your life, so let's start the conversation with your host, Greg Rice. Hey guys, today I'm talking with Kevin Mills. Kevin is an expert salesman, but he's also a really successful serial entrepreneur. And he also hosts the Screw Your Side Hustle podcast. So we get into a lot of different things. One of the things we dive into is his podcast, Screw Your Side Hustle, and what he means by that and how we can do that ourselves. We also talk about what he's learned from his sales career, from selling everything from vacuums to cars to mortgages. And we even get into his strategy for turning cold prospects into hot sales. So if you're interested in becoming a better salesman, this is the episode for you. Kevin, thanks for joining me today. Excited to have you on the Art of Communication podcast. I appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely, Greg. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thank you very much. So I, I know there's a ton of powerful content you're going to be able to share with my audience around how to sell effectively, how to communicate in, in sales environments. But what really struck me about your background is you've sold in so many different environments, right? You've sold a lot of different things very effectively. So I'd love to start there. If Maybe you could take us through a quick couple minute journey of your sales career and then we can kind of dive into different areas where I think we can, we can mine some nuggets for the audience. Absolutely. So to, to start out, I, I do want to clarify one thing. It's kind of a foundational belief I have that'll make the rest of the conversation uh, much more clear. And that's mm -hmm. the, I believe that everyone's a salesperson. I think that throughout your day, you're selling more than you think you're selling. Um, when you're talking to your wife, a lot of times you're trying to sell your wife right? Not successfully, so, but yeah. Exactly. So I, I think when, when people are asking, you know, what experience do you have in sales? Where were you selling? Really, all of us have a lot of experience in sales. And when you realize that, then you can start to hone in on that a little bit more clearly and mm -hmm. be a little bit more effective with that. So to kind of back that up where I really, I guess if I was to look back on my story and say, where I saw my first bit of inclination towards sales or where I figured out what sales really meant was growing up. I was like five or six, maybe seven. I don't really remember somewhere in that range. We had a set of child craft books. I don't know. Have you ever heard of those before? No, no, I haven't. So it's basically think like a big set of encyclopedia, but there are four kids and I had like projects and things like that to do in it. And growing up, I wasn't allowed to play video games. I couldn't watch TV other than like movies and VHS and stuff like that. So I was a really outside doing stuff, making stuff. That's how I grew up. And so I came across this one thing in the child craft series. It was making paper baskets. Um, and so I got really good at making these paper baskets. And all of a sudden, I noticed my room was full of all of these paper baskets. I'd have hundreds of them. 
<laughs> and I was like, what am I going to do with all these paper baskets? And I thought, I was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe other people would want these. And so I thought of the biggest marketplace I knew of at the time, and that was the church that my dad pastored. So that following Sunday, I put all these paper baskets in the garbage bag, went to the church before church started, and went up and down the rows and started selling these paper baskets that I think was like 50 cents a pot, something like that. And that was kind of the first time I realized that, hey, you could exchange an item or a good or a service for money that I could then use to go buy, you know, candy or toys or whatever it was that my heart really wanted at that point. So growing up, that was kind of a continuing trend. Anytime I wanted to buy something, anytime I wanted a new toy or a computer or something like that, my parents weren't the kind that would give me things I necessarily wanted, but they gave me everything I needed. I had awesome parents, but they really instilled, hey, if you want something, you go get it, right? Mm -hmm. And so I would flip things. I would you know, mow lawns, do all kinds of stuff to try to generate income for myself. And probably the first time that I ever got my first quote unquote sales job, I was 15 ish. I was working at my dad at the time and he worked for a body shop and I actually worked for the same body shop and I started, you know, cleaning cars cleaning up around the property, stuff like that. I got close to the owner of that company and he started just having me do random projects. And one of those projects that he had was he started his own weather company. Um, Basically. Weather company. Yeah. So he was really big into storm chasing, like chasing down tornadoes and stuff like that. And so he wanted to start a weather company that would basically be a online news source for North Mississippi um, on storm chasing and stuff like that. And it was called Mississippi Weather Media. So I actually helped him get that up and going. And we decided we wanted to start selling sponsorship for ad reads, you know, on the, on the website and then on the broadcast that we had at the time. So he didn't really have any experience and skills in sales. I was 15 or 16 years old at that time. I didn't have any experience in sales. So I went to the best person that I knew that was a salesperson. And that was my brother, Jared. Mm -hmm. Now he wasn't the traditional salesperson, right? He was actually a recruiter in the United States Marine Corps. But if you know anything about the military and recruiting, a recruiter is actually one of the best salespeople um, in the world Mm -hmm. because they're convincing these people, you know, to sign their lives away. And my brother was literally one of the best of the best um, in the Marine Corps. You walk into his office, there's just a stack full of all these trophies. Absolutely a phenomenal recruiter. What What did he teach you about selling? So, yep, that's where I'm getting. So I went to his house. He lived in Alabama. I went to his house one weekend and we literally carved out three days and just went to town. He, He literally took me through kind of his recruiter playbook that he hired new recruiters and trained them with. And 
honestly, I'm not even sure I could tell you all the things we went over that day. It was just an insane amount of stuff. But still to this day, I know that's where I learned a lot of the foundational stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. And so that's really where I got my first introduction into sales. Mm -hmm. But I still sucked. Don't get me wrong. I, I went to hundreds of appointments and my closing rate was probably like five to 10%. I mean, something is absurdly low, but in the end we were able to, or the ads and sponsors that we were looking to fill at that time. And it worked out. It was just a lot of hard work. What that took at that time was I literally got in my truck, drove directly to these businesses. I didn't even call them in advance. I drove directly to these businesses Tried to get in front of the owner, sat down with him, gave him my pitch, and went from there. But it was really basic, brutal sales, but we made it work. Well, probably right? a great proving ground to learn yeah. a lot <laughs> just about the fundamentals of selling effectively. Absolutely. But again, I still sucked at that point. And I like to bring that up because a lot of people think that people that are good at sales were always good at sales. And that's not mm-hmm. necessarily the case. Um, sales yeah. is very... It's very much a learned skill. I wouldn't say that it's necessarily an innate thing that you're born with or anything mm-hmm. like that. I am definitely not the most polished or perfectly speaking person out there, but I've sold a lot of freaking stuff, right? <laughs> so, you know. What, what would you say are those keys to, to selling effectively that folks can really focus on learning to get good at it? Well, so that's a loaded question. There's a, <laughs> this is the thing about sales. There's, there's so many different ways you can answer that. But really, I found that there's kind of three things that I try to hone in on no matter what arena I'm sell, selling in. First and foremost, I want to be the expert. So about a year and a half ago, I transitioned into the mortgage industry. I had never, I'd never even had a mortgage before. Didn't know anything about mortgages, but I decided I wanted to be a mortgage broker and sell mortgages. So I got my license and I literally just absolutely poured over the guidelines, learned the ins and outs of loans, all the different products we could offer. That way, whenever I got on a call with a client, even though I had only been doing it for a couple of weeks, I sounded like I knew what the frick I was talking about. And I sounded like an expert in a profession Mm -hmm. because I was really, really knowledgeable on my subject matter. Um, A lot of people think they can smooth talk their way into anything. And I think in this day and age, consumers are too well informed for smooth talking salesmen. Um, Completely agree. We've all had too many bad experiences with them. Yeah, for sure. And I was talking in a previous interview just the other day with Tim Hughes. He's kind of a social selling guy, an expert in that space. And and we talked about the fact that when folks are making buying decisions, they're typically about 70% of the way there before they ever talk to the salesperson. So they know when you're bullshitting them, right? They have a good understanding of, of the core fundamentals of whatever it is that they're buying. Absolutely. Would 100% agree with that. So first and foremost, got to be knowledgeable on Mm -hmm. your subject matter. Secondly, I would say, and and this sounds kind of cliche, but being you Mm -hmm. don't, don't try to, 
to be someone that you're not. Um, like I said just a few minutes ago, I'm not a smooth talking, very polished person. And all of my clients know that. But one thing they do know is that I'm going to tell them like it is. I tell them the truth each and every time. I'm me. I'm 100% me. And, and there's no BS around me, right? Again, that kind of goes back to just what we were talking about, about people can sniff it out at this point. There's mm -hmm. been, there's just too many bad experiences with sales with people out there that you need to be the differentiator. And that kind of leads into the third point is if I'm going to go play in a new arena to sell, um, if it's something I've never done before, I'm going to look at what's the best way I can differentiate myself from every other salesperson out there. And that can mean a lot of different things, depending again on which industry you're selling in. So for example, in mortgages, one thing that I do that a lot of other loan officers probably don't feel comfortable doing is differentiating yourself, you know, mortgage. Yeah. So in mortgages, kind of the, one of the ways that we want to differentiate ourselves is by getting on the client side and taking them through the process the entire time. So a lot of times if you go to Wells Fargo to go get a loan, the dude, your loan officer there that's, that's going to give you that loan, it, it's, a really, it's a really tough process a lot of times because they've got a lot on their plate too. And there can be a lot of communication challenges there. If you've ever tried to go get a mortgage, you know what I'm talking about. And that's one thing that I knew was an issue going in. So that's one thing that I tried to be really, really good at. I wanted mm -hmm. to hold my client's hand the entire time. That way, whenever their friend says, oh, I've been thinking about a refinance, they're like, oh my word, Kevin was the best. He walked me through the entire step when I couldn't yeah. sign my documents. He sat on the phone with me for an hour and a half and told me which buttons to click. Most loan officers won't do that. Yeah, right? sure. And so you just have to look for those those things that you can kind of do to separate yourself from everyone else. That way you can get those referrals because that's always key. Yeah, absolutely. The referral business is critical. And I think figuring out where the challenges are in the buying process of whatever it is you're selling and then helping walking your customer or client through that more easily is really a great way to set yourself apart. Now you've done a lot of knocking on doors, right? From the weatherization or the, the weather product to the, um, you know, selling vacuum cleaners, knocking doors of businesses and consumers. What's the key to doing that well? Because I, I think a lot of people probably don't have that experience. But as we said before, it's a great proving ground. And the experience of being able to quickly make a good first impression and develop trust is something that I think there's a really valuable skill to have, but, but something that folks need to learn how to do. Yeah. So the first impression of trust, super important. And I want to get to that in a second. Um, but I do want to clarify something first. There's no magic formula I'm going to give you to make mm -hmm. door knocking not suck. Door knocking sucks. No doubt. As does cold calling. As does cold calling. And I, I hate when people say that there's a way that it won't. It, because it always sucks, okay? No matter how good you are at it, is that's just how it is, okay? But once you realize that, now let's make it better, okay? Secondly, it's a numbers game. 
no way around it. Cold calling, door knocking is a numbers game. If you want to be really good at it, you're going to have to put in the reps. You're going to have to do it a bunch because I can give you all these different tips and strategies, but if you're not out there implementing, if you're not out there practicing, it doesn't mean anything. So whether you listen to anything else that I'm about to say or not, go out there and knock on some doors and go make some cold calls because that's going to be the best training you're ever going to get is doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's first and foremost. But then secondly, yes, it's a big trust and rapport game in door knocking and cold calling. And I'm probably going to keep talking about door knocking and cold calling together because they really are kind of the same thing. One of them you're in person, one of them you're on the phone. So firstly, I, I don't know off the top of my head the exact numbers. I'm sure you do. But you only have a really, really short window to gain trust with that person. Yeah. Like really, really short. Do you know the numbers off the top of your head? I don't off the top of my head, but it's literally like, I mean, some people will say it's like less than a second. It's before you even talk, right? They see you and they, they judge you subconsciously before they even consciously think yeah. about trusting you or not. So that's one thing I was going to bring up is even, even if we're not talking about a time period, just the appearance is a big thing. Mm-hmm. So quick little example on that. You mentioned the vacuum cleaners, right? So for about a year and a half, two years, I built a direct sales business selling rainbow vacuum cleaners. Started out with me and my wife. We grew that up to a team of about 10 or 15 reps. Um, and we ended wow. up doing over seven figures in annual sales vacuum cleaners, right? So we were really good at what we were doing. Yeah. So the way that business works is... You knock on doors and then you're doing in-home demonstrations in these people's house. You clean their house and then you sell them on the vacuum, right? (laughs) So you're very much in person, right? When I was in that business, that's in Mississippi. It's a very, trying to watch my words here. It's a very laid back place, right? Mm -hmm. Okay they don't trust people in suits. Mm -hmm. They don't trust people in ties and fast talkers and all of that kind of stuff, right? They trust their buddy down the street, buddy Joe, that's got the beard and, and is wearing the blue jeans. Okay. And so that's a, one of the first things I did is I made sure I looked like them Mm -hmm. because if I looked like a salesperson, the second they opened their door, their mind subconsciously started racing back to all those bad experiences they had with salespeople. Okay. But if I look like their friend Joe down the road, instantly their subconscious starts thinking about all friendly memories, right? It's just, it's just a, it's a mind game a little bit, right? But that's one of the easy ways that you can instantly start to build in some of that trust. And that can be the same if you're doing business to business. You know, if you're doing business to business in certain aspects, you want to be really professional, right? Mm -hmm. You want to be in a suit and tie because that's who you're talking to. They're in a suit and tie, you know? So you got to kind of play to your audience there. And then secondly, the way you talk to people um, is really powerful. You know, you really need to be be careful in, in not bombarding them with too much information. I see a lot of people do that really frequently. 
you know, everyone wants to have their quote unquote elevator pitch that they can, you know, hit someone with in 15 seconds. That's not really a good idea because that doesn't do anything for you. You know, so when I first started doing mortgages, I did a lot of cold calls, mm-hmm. calling random people never talked to before. And I'm trying to sell them a mortgage. You know what the first thing I would say when they answered? How are you? How are you? Yeah. Which right. Not always the best get, first thing to say. I so, wouldn't get into my pitch or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, kind of get to know them a little bit. I want to get to know them, right? I want to build that trust because I've tried the whole get into my pitch. You mm-hmm. know what happens? They know click. you're a salesperson. They hang up. Yeah. Click, 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 right? So as, as quickly as you can, you want to build some kind of rapport mm-hmm. really, really quickly. In my opinion, it's a lot easier to do in person, especially if you're door knocking because you can see something hanging up on their door. You can see what truck they're driving, whatever. I don't know. Find some commonality and make a quick conversation and then get into what you're talking about. You want to have some kind of base with these people before you start selling them. For sure. For sure. No, that's, that's really interesting take on it. And it's something that's hard for a lot of people to do, right? I think it's, I think it really comes back to the fear of being rejected. And that's something that we all struggle with, right? Even if you've done it a hundred times and you've done it successfully, you're still scared to walk in that next door and make that next cold call. I know I am. I still have anxiety yeah. around it when I have to do it. That's what you have to get over. That, <clears throat> that's what differentiates a good salesperson from an okay salesperson is the ability to switch that off. Yeah. Because honestly, it doesn't really matter about all these fancy sales skills if you can just walk into the next meeting and just do it mm-hmm. in a confident way and kind of just bring that warmth that creates a connection. Yeah. I mean, I see so many people spend so much time analyzing their sales process and skills and trying to have, you know, the perfect comeback for each, each uh, objection, mm-hmm. but yet they don't get in any meetings. They're too scared to go out and make cold calls and door knock or anything like that. And so what are all, what good are all these skills, these skills, if you're not getting into conversations? Yeah. And really that's the only way you truly learn because it's theoretical until you get in there and start getting beat up a little bit and learn what works and what doesn't work. And, and that's how you get good. But I mean, there's the gold is in the failure, but it's hard to take that step into failure. Most folks don't do it or they don't do it more than once or twice because it hurts. It's tough. Yeah. And if you have a failure and you don't get back up from that and go on to the next one, it's going to be a hard life for you, bud. (laughs) It's going to be a hard life. (laughs) No doubt. Regardless of the context, right? Exactly. Regardless of the context. That's um, my podcast is basically the main thing I preach is you have to be okay with failure. But first, Have you ever thought about doing your own podcast? I'll tell you, if you're a business owner, you absolutely should be. There's no better way to get your name out there, to grow your network, and really develop a relationship with your customers. I can tell you in the short time that I've been doing this podcast, I've already had conversations with top global influencers, Fortune 500 CEOs, and a host of other really cool people that I otherwise would not have had the opportunity to connect with. But you might be thinking, hey, it might be really hard to do a podcast. I don't know where to start or I just don't have time. But I'll tell you, if you work with my friends at World Class Media, they make it super easy. That's who I worked with. 
with their done for you podcast literally all i have to do is just record the episode and they do everything else from end to end including all editing and production development of my intro and outro and music my artwork and website, development of my show notes, and submission of my show to all the major podcasting mediums. They even created my social media cards. And they offer me coaching along the way as well to help me to become a world-class podcaster right out of the gate. So if you've ever considered starting a podcast, you owe it to yourself to talk to world-class media because I tell you it's a lot easier than you think. So just go to gregjrice.com backslash done for you to learn more about the Done For You podcast service and to set up a free consultation. All right, let's hop into the show. Yeah, yeah, and actually, that's what I wanted to shift to. I'd love to hear a little bit about the podcast and uh, the Screw the Side Hustle podcast and kind of, you talk on there a lot about going all in. So I'd love to hear just your theory around that and, and kind of what drove you down that path from the podcast perspective. Yeah, so... In the terms of all in, that's that's kind of my strategy. Anyone that, that knows me and gets to know me, anything I think about, whether we're talking business, hobbies, life, family, when I get all in, I'm all in. Okay. And I learned really early on, you can't have one foot in and one foot out. That just doesn't work. You know, and some of the ways that I kind of I'll share a, a quick little story with you, that is what really solidified that belief for me. So I was about 19 years old um, at the time. I was working as an industrial electrician, and I had just gotten back from California doing a speaking tour at high schools out there. And I met my current wife. Uh, we were dating at the time. We end up getting married. I'm still working as an as an industrial electrician, um, but I wasn't making a whole lot of money. I, I think it was like. 12 or 13 bucks an hour. Not, not great. Right. Mm -hmm. She was a daycare teacher. I think she was making like $8 an hour. We get married. We go on our honeymoon, come back. We go to my brother's house to drop off a gag gift that I had gotten him on our honeymoon. And while we're there, we're talking to him. All of a sudden this dude knocks on the door. It was a rainbow vacuum salesman. Okay. For some reason or another, we decided to stay and watch this demonstration of this rainbow vacuum cleaner. Fast forward three hours later, I don't know what got into my mind. I had like 50 bucks in my bank account, but I had just bought a $3,000 vacuum cleaner. <laughs> I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. This dude was like, listen, you come in, learn how to sell these things. I'll teach you. It's going to change your life. I listened to him. The next day, I quit my job as an industrial electrician, went and started selling rainbow vacuum cleaners full-time, commission only. Yeah, wow. My wife was making her $8 an hour at the daycare, and it ended up turning that into six-figure income within 12 months. Wow. That's amazing. And so that was the first time I really saw that, hey, when you put your all into something, you can your results are going to be 10 X that because over the next year and a half, I saw all these people that tried to get into rainbow in a part-time way. Yeah. Right? And they weren't making any money. They couldn't do anything right because they had no commitment. They weren't into the game, so to speak, you know, yeah. you really have to be all in. It's the same thing. When I decided to get into mortgages, I shut down what I was doing here in Mississippi. 
packed up our whole house or our whole lives into our escape, drove across to Arizona, uh, started selling mortgages, and um, within 12 months, so February, I funded $2.7 million. Wow. Um, so, I mean, I'm th- that's just my philosophy theory. I've lived it. I've proved it. And so anytime anyone asks me, you know, what do I think really is, is the number one critical key to success? It's the willingness to go all in and the willingness to accept the failures that are bound to come along the way. Yeah. Because once you go all in, you kind of burn the, burn the ships, right? You can't go back in a lot of cases and you're going to stumble and fall and probably be terrified and you got to just fight through it. And that's really how you learn. I mean, survival is a hell of a motivator. Yeah. Let's be clear about one thing though. Okay. You do have to burn the ships in a, in a sense, but don't burn the relationships. Oh, I like it. I like what you did there. (laughs) So, because I've been in a ton of different industries in my short amount of life. Right. Mm -hmm. But I've created some awesome relationships with all of these different people. And here's a, here's a great reason why. Okay. The company that I was working for, before I started doing mortgages a year and a half ago, I am currently in the middle of purchasing that company now. Oh, wow. Because I maintained the relationship with the owner of that company. Mm-hmm. So although, yes, you have to burn the ships in a sense, don't burn the relationships. Completely agree. Yeah, I always try to keep strong relationships from past jobs and, and past things. Um, it's sometimes hard, you know, to, to keep the, to stay in touch. It's not hard from my perspective anyway, to not kind of piss them off, right? And, and yeah. burn it that way. I mean, it's just kind of the way I operate. I try to do what's best for everybody. But staying in touch over time, you know, five, 10 years later, th- that gets harder, right? Mm-hmm. So having a process around that, I think to stay in touch is really valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting. Well, just a couple more questions I try to ask kind of everybody who's on the show. So First one is around the power of conversations, right? I believe conversations are really powerful things. And I always like to ask my guests if there's a single conversation they can point to in their lives that maybe had a really big impact on the direction that their lives went, right? On on big decision that they made. So is there any kind of conversation in your life that you can kind of point to and maybe tell us a little bit about? Trying to, I, I actually have a lot of good conversations that I could sure, bring up here because they, they are important, you know? The funny thing is we're recording this right now during coronavirus time. And this time has given me a lot of time to reflect on, you know, what got me to where I am right now, what steps were taken over the past couple of years, what conversations were had, blah, 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 blah. But with that being said, you know, here was a pretty, pretty powerful conversation that I had with the guy that got me into Rainbow. Mm-hmm. selling the vacuum cleaners he's actually no longer alive uh, oh, wow. he passed away a couple of years ago but he got me into it i started doing really really well and i asked him i was like brian i just don't understand why everyone doesn't do this i mean i'm 18 years old 19 years old making six figures a year selling vacuum cleaners all of my friends are making $7 an hour. Like, why doesn't everyone do this, Brian? And he was like, Kevin, there's one thing you have to realize is that when you go to the drive-thru to get your hamburger, there has to be someone 
to hand you your hamburger, right? Mm-hmm. And that may not seem really important, but to me it was because that was something I really struggled with was trying to, because I'm a really compassionate person. Like I care about people. I want to help people. And so I couldn't get it through my skull. Why, you know, these people that I was offering this opportunity to couldn't accept it, blah, blah, blah. And I just had to realize that not everybody was meant to live the life that I'm meant to live. And so that was a really powerful moment for me. Yeah, no, very cool. Very cool. And I assume it, you obviously recruited a very effective team and and built a great team there with the rainbow vacuum cleaner business or the rainbow vacuum business. Um, Definitely had to be a struggle though, to probably recruit folks and then train them and get them motivated and, and lead them to achieve that vision. It was, it, it's a challenge to get a grown man to sell a vacuum cleaner in another man's home. <laughs> especially when a teenager is trying to get them to do it, right? Yes, especially when a teenager is trying to get them to do it. And especially when they're uh, a 35-year-old good old Southern boy, you know, or, or a 75-year-old grandmother. Okay? I had people on my team that were in their 70s. So yeah, it was definitely a challenge. But what you just have to, what, or at least what I've realized along the way is you just have to think about your people. Your people have to influence as a team leader, as a manager, as an owner, whatever capacity you're operating in when you're talking about recruiting and then consequently keeping that team, because that's a big challenge, is you have to prioritize your people in your decision-making process. And then consequently, you need to make sure that you're motivating your people. Talk to them, find out what they want, find out what they need, and then motivate them properly. For sure. Yeah, great stuff. I think proven out in a very challenging environment that you built out a team successfully and not, I don't think many folks can do that, right? Build a successful door-to-door vacuum cleaning or vacuum cleaner uh, sales business. It's not easy to do. Yeah. I mean, it, I say that it's not easy to do, but it's not hard. Yeah. Here, yeah. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. It's hard to get up each and every day mm-hmm. and take the punches. That's yeah. the hard part, but doing it's easy, you know, and I would say that about most stuff. Uh, most businesses are easy. It's just getting up and dealing with the punches each and every day can get challenging. But when you can learn to control yourself, control your mind, control your emotions, control your reactions, that's when, when you become a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. And I don't think folks realize how much that plays into your communication either. You know, how much your underlying emotional status impacts the way that you are judging somebody else in that moment or how you're reacting to them or how they're reacting to you. And the ability to manage that's very powerful. But first, you have to just realize it's there, (laughs) you know, before you can start to try to manage it. So last question for you, as you kind of look at, you know, what you've built over the years and all the struggles that you've had, looking back, is there one communication skill that you wish you maybe had in more abundance? throughout the process that would have maybe made it easier for you? I would say control over fear. Mm, mm-hmm. It's something that as I've gotten older, I've learned is really powerful and I still work on, you know, on a daily basis and I hope I get better each and every day at it. But I wish I would have started earlier because when you can control your fear, then you don't have introverted moments. You don't have, any any issues like that because those are all fear-based 
mm-hmm. fear-based issues, right? But one of my favorite quotes, fear is a liar, mm-hmm. right? And so when you can con- learn to control that fear, you know, that's a really powerful skill for communication. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love the, the, the saying that fear is a liar, right? And I've, I've heard the perspective and it's really powerful. You know, you're telling yourself a lie no matter what, right? Whether you're saying, if I walk in that door, this is going to go terrible. It's going to be the worst experience of my life. I'm terrible. I'm afraid of this. Or you say, hey, I'm the most amazing salesperson on the face of the earth. I'm, I'm going to go in and sell this guy. It's going to be easy. Either one's probably not the complete truth. It's pretty much a lie. But you get to choose which lie you tell yourself. So why not look at it from a positive perspective instead of a negative perspective? And you're going to have a lot more success that way and a lot less heartache. 100%. Yeah. So really interesting. So where can folks find you at? So Instagram official Kevin Mills. That is not to be pretentious. It's just I cannot get a hold of the handle Kevin Mills. Um <laughs> But I've tried, believe me. And if anyone can make that happen, uh, I would be a very happy person. So, <laughs> But that's probably the best place. Uh, anyone wants to chat about anything, shoot me a DM. I'm working on a, a lot of exciting things right now. Um, so, But yeah. I'll be sure to put anything out right there on Instagram. And the uh, podcast, Crew the Side Hustle? Right. So yep. I want to check that out. A lot of really interesting content on there. A little bit of a different spin on a podcast, I think. For sure. For sure. And we're actually right now in the middle of pause on releasing episodes. And just because we've been in a really big transitional point business wise. Um, but here in the next month or so, they should start releasing. But there's about 30 some odd episodes there for anyone that hasn't listened to them yet to go back and binge watch in the meantime. Very cool. Or listen. Very cool. We'll definitely go check that out and appreciate your time today, Kevin. Um, Thanks a lot. It's been great to have you. I I know my audience took a lot of value away from the conversation and, and yeah, look forward to working together in the future, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Greg. Thank you. Don't let the momentum stop now. Continue your path towards connecting at another level by joining the communication nation. We'll be discussing today's topics as well as more real-world solutions to transforming your life personally and professionally at facebook.com slash groups slash join the communication nation. Remember, you're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and life. And that conversation starts right here on The Art of Communication.